0: This is the 162nd Quackcast. It's called Bias and Spin. We all construct our narrative based on our biases and spin the facts so that the narrative confirms our biases. Among other characteristics, what separates an SBM provider from a scam provider is realizing that biases are always active and to try to apply them to yourself as well as everyone else. My biases are simple. I am skeptical that humans can reliably understand reality without assistance, and the best source of that assistance is science. I have a job where the expectation is that I will change practice as information changes. How I practiced medicine 30 years ago is very different from how I practice it today. Still, I note it is harder and harder to change my approaches as I get older. I get more set in my ways, and it takes more effort to change as new studies are published. Sometimes it seems almost physically difficult. Again, it is expected that not only will I change my mind over time, as the sole ID doc at my hospitals, I will be the one to lead that change. Imagine how much harder it would be to change your mind if you were committed to a universal truth, such as those that are alleged to underlie Reiki or chiropractic. Years committed to a pseudo medicine almost certainly renders changing one's mind virtually impossible. I will admit there is one bias I cannot fathom the conspiracy slash pharmaceutical shill worldview. The idea that those of us concerned with pseudo medicines are doing so because we are paid by big pharma is just so weird. There are a number of articles on PubMed concerning medical conspiracies, but the search term pharmaceutical shill yields nothing on either Google or PubMed. It is a bias that evidently has no research to help understand why people have that opinion. I suspect it is derived in part from the often remarkable sums paid to doctors to pimp medications to other doctors. But I can't even find how common that belief is. I can kind of understand why people practice and or participate in the various scams, given my understanding of the various fallacies and dysfunctional ways in which the mind works. It is easy to see how both practitioners and patients misjudge the efficacy of pseudomedicines. We have evolved to survive reality, certainly not to understand it. Bias leads to spin, and it is curious how bias can warp reports in the medical literature. It is a curious fact that acupuncture studies from the East are virtually always positive. Quote, research conducted in certain countries are uniformly favorable to acupuncture. All trials originating in China, Japan, Hong Kong, and Taiwan were positive, as were 10 of the 11 of those published in the Russia or USSR. Of trials published in England, 75% gave the test treatment as superior to control. No trial published in China or Russia slash USSR found a test treatment to be ineffective. I find that fascinating. Is it publication bias, i.e. only positive studies are published? Or is it perhaps due to a deep cultural bias combined with poor methodology, usually adequate blinding and placebo, Then all the studies are indeed positive, an example of rays in action, Given that, quote, pronounced bias due to lack of patient binding in complementary slash alternative clinical trials leads to non-blinded patients exaggerating the effect size by an average of 0.56 standard deviations, and the effect is more pronounced in acupuncture trials, I suspect that the results are due to a combination of effects, especially given the similar results with yoga trials out of India, quote, Randomized controlled trials on yoga were conducted in India have about 25 times the odds of reaching positive conclusions as those conducted elsewhere. It is amazing how positive results of large swaths of pseudo-medical trials can be biased by the culture in which they are done. It would appear that the country of origin may have far more positive effect on a scam study outcome than the effect of when a real medication trial is funded by pharmaceutical companies. Money, as Cindy Lauper noted, changes everything, but worldview with its concomitant bias is more likely important. Ionides was understating the issue when he noted, quote, prejudice may not necessarily have financial roots. Scientists in a given field may be prejudiced purely by their own belief in a scientific theory or commitment to their own findings. Many otherwise seemingly independent university-based studies may be conducted for no other reason and they give physicians and researchers qualifications for promotion or tenure. Such non-financial conflicts may also lead to distorted reported results and interpretations. It is amazing how such bias can lead to an inability to see effects even when it is staring you in the face. My favorite example is decreased risk of stroke in patients with traumatic brain injury receiving acupuncture treatment a population-based retrospective cohort study where they conclude, quote, patients with TBI, traumatic brain injury, receiving acupuncture treatment showed decreased risk of stroke compared to those without acupuncture treatment. Even though patients, quote, with acupuncture treatment had higher proportions of those using anticoagulants, antiplatelet therapy, and lipid lowering agents compared to those with no acupuncture treatment. The use of anti stroke medications was completely ignored as the possible explanation, and it was instead the effects of the acupuncture. It's mind boggling. Of course, acupuncturists are not the only ones who cannot look at data and see the obvious. Chiropractors like to point to risk of vertebral basilar stroke in chiropractic care results of a population based case control and case crossover study as evidence that their particular pseudomedicine does not cause strokes. Quote, We found no evidence of excess risk of VBA stroke associated with chiropractic care compared to primary care. Although I have discussed this paper in the past, it does suggest that in a group that should not be having strokes, the young, seeing a chiropractor, is associated with having a stroke. Quote, Table 3 has the smoking gun. The highest odds ratio, 14, for a stroke is 12, four times any other age, in the age less than 45 in the first 24 hours after a visit to a chiropractor. Saying that a paper does not support chiropractic as a risk for stroke when the data suggests that it probably does continues. In the study, Risk of Stroke After Chiropractic Spinal Manipulation and Medicare B Beneficiaries Aged 66 to 99 Years with Stroke Pain by a Chiropractor, there may be a greater risk of stroke after visiting a chiropractor. Uh, But they conclude that, quote, among Medicare B beneficiaries aged 66 to 99 with neck pain, incidence of vertebral basilar stroke was extremely low. Small differences in risk between patients who saw a chiropractor and those who saw a primary care physician are probably not clinically significant. Given that the chiropractic cohort was both younger and healthier, And given the rarity of stroke in that population, I am not sanguine that the study can be used as evidence that chiropractic neck manipulation is safe. And it suggests that the more likely chiropractic will be associated with a late stroke. A 10% increase at 30 days, that was statistically significant. But if due to chiropractic, it cannot be determined from the study, they suggest it may not be clinically important. While a 10% change in a pain scale may not be clinically relevant, I'm not so sure a 10% increase in stroke has the same degree of triviality. I am also not sanguine that the study supplies evidence that chiropractic is safe. It is more spin than fact. Like the Cassidy study, it suggests that a risk of stroke is lurking in the background in some populations that it is rare and hard to see. For now, I will stick with the preponderance of data nicely summarized by the AHA position paper. Quote, Although current biomechanical evidence is insufficient to establish the claim that CMT causes CD, clinical reports suggest that mechanical forces play a role in considerable numbers of CDs, and most population control studies have found an association between CMT and VAD stroke in young patients. Although the incidence of CMT-associated CD in patients who have previously received CMP is not well established and probably low, practitioners should strongly consider the possibility of CD as a presenting symptoms, and patients should be informed of the statistical association between CD and CMT prior to undergoing manipulation of the cervical spine. End of quote. And so when I see an article that is called, Is There a Role? of Nick Manipulation in Elderly Falls Prevention, and overview? I think, no, 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 no! That's my bias, and I'm sticking to it. And that ends the 162nd QuackCast. The references are available at Science Based Medicine for the March 6th entry of the same name, Bias and Spin. edgydoc.com is where you can find links to my growing multimedia empire, including books and apps and other podcasts. And of course, I like glowing reviews on iTunes, whether I deserve them or not. Talk to you next time. Bye.